Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Good evening. My name is Donny, as Vian said, and it's a big privilege just to be here again tonight. I hope that you are ready. Let's close our eyes. Father, we want to thank you for this evening, Father. Thank you that we can be together, but most of all, Father, thank you that we are in your presence. Father, I pray that you'll help us, that you'll make us brave tonight, Father, that we'll allow you to speak into our hearts, Father, where there's correction needed, that you'll come and do the correction, where there's healing needed, that you'll come and do the healing, where there's brokenness, Father, that you will come and fix Father, thank you that you love us. Father, thank you that your love is not just empty words like in Hollywood or wherever, Father, but thank you that your love is your son on the cross. That's how much you love us. Father, I pray that tonight, Father, we will each and every one of us have an encounter with you, with your love, with your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 22, we're going to read from verse 36, but before we read there, let me just give you a couple of, a little bit of background. So the story starts off with the Sadducees coming to Jesus and trying to catch him out with a clever question. But Jesus answers the question and, and then the Pharisees see this and now they want a chance as well. So one of them, a, a lawyer, comes and asks Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second, like it is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let me read it again for us. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second, like it is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So I said this morning that uh, I've been waiting three weeks to share this. So three weeks ago, we had the family camp. If you weren't there, you missed out. Book your spot for next year. Um, The family camp was really great. and, And on Saturday night, we had the privilege of watching the Rugby World Cup final together. The Boca won, so, but uh, it wasn't a good match at all. The ref made mistakes, the players made mistakes. It was a a chamorse. But um, after the game, I was walking back to this chalet where we were sleeping, and one thing stuck in my mind. While they were waiting for a scrum to form, one of the commentators said something really interesting. They said that it is obvious these guys, talking about the Springboks, really love one another. Now, I've watched many rugby games, and I've never heard anything like that. A commentator say, these guys love one another. That is what stood out for me about the whole Rugby World Cup, that the Springbok was known for their love. We just read Matthew 22, and it made me think, what is a church globally known for? For being a bunch of hypocrites? For being judgmental? for fighting with each other? Or are we known for for those people who just love? 
If we bring it a little bit closer, Shofar Sekunda, Shofar, what are we known for? Are we known for the outreaches? Are we known for the soup kitchen? Or are we known for those people? Bring it another step closer, yourself. What are you known for? If somebody would ask your boss, if somebody would ask your neighbor, your colleagues, or if somebody would ask some of the parents at school where you drop off your kids and just drive in front of all the other cars just to get to Sassel as quick as possible, what are you known for? Is it because of the love we have? The love for everyone. Now, uh, the house we're currently renting, right next to us there's a little flat that's, that's been rented by someone else. Um, our neighbor is called Abram. Now, Abram's got two greyhounds. That's Vintonde, eh? These skinny little dogs. Now, he apparently every now and again goes and hunts with them. I've never seen it, but they, they're skinny and they're fast. And about four weeks ago, we, we heard a little gechankere. Suddenly, there were four and not two anymore. But these, these, these puppies didn't look like greyhounds. They looked like little tennis balls, and they would literally roll out of the dark kennel. And uh, my wife and my kids, three, four, five times a day, they will be there, taking old linen to let the puppies sleep on, taking milk, taking food, picking up the puppies and putting them back. Unfortunately, both of the puppies died. But the point I want to make is, if you ask Abram, who's living next to him, what, what, what can he tell, tell the world about us? He will tell us, he will tell the world that we love dogs. Or at least my family love dogs. And they go the extra mile. What does the world say about us? Now firstly, I think we need a revelation of who God is. Let me read 1 John 4 from verse 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Let's just pause. God doesn't just love. God is love. It's part of who he is. Like me, I'm a blowball. That's who I am. God is love. There's a couple of people that looks funny at me, but we'll talk afterwards. Um, let's read further. In this, the love of God was manifest towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. You see, love is the whole driving force of the gospel. John 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Love is the whole driving force behind the gospel. It is always so beautiful to see if you lead someone to Christ and you see them grow and you see how, how they get mature. The first thing that you can see is how they grow in love. You know, things that used to make them angry doesn't make them angry anymore. Um, you know, if you drive with them and you see how they swerve in front of cars, you see things that normally made them frustrated doesn't frustrate them anymore. There's just real love. There's, there's something about growing in love 
that everyone can see. Verse 10. In this the love, um, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his only and sent his son to be appropriation for our sins. I think if we get to the point where we realize how amazing, how awesome, how big God is, and the fact that he loves us who's sinful and small and insignificant and weak, that is love. The fact that almighty God loves us. And his love didn't just stop with words, his love was Jesus on the cross. You see, the, the, uh, Galatians 5 talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit. You know what is the first fruit of the Spirit? Love. The first, I, the first way to identify a Christian is by do they have love in their lives? Now, this is really bad toothpaste. Don't buy it. it tastes horrible. But doesn't matter how you squeeze it, doesn't matter where you touch it, what comes out of it? Toothpaste. You can put a sign on there that says condensed milk, but it will still be toothpaste. What comes out of us? What does the world see when they look at us? Do they see love? Do they see people that love. I want to ask you a question. Um, when you came in this afternoon, did somebody greet you with a hug? No. Okay, there's one or two yes. Now, this morning, there were some older people standing at the door, and you couldn't get in without getting a hug. And, and most of the people got two. <laughs> now, I want to ask you, what will happen if somebody comes in here and they are known for being a criminal. They spend some time in, in prison, they are corrupt, they steal, they, they, they're just bad people. When they walk through those doors, will we still greet them with a hug? Or will we take a step back and, I've heard of you. If somebody comes in that uh, wears their little LGBTQ, shirt, and they have their little rainbow flag, and they come in, will we greet them with a hug like everyone else, or are we going to take a step back and say, I don't know about this person? Now, I'm not saying tolerate their sin. I am saying show them the same love that you show everyone else. They need an encounter with God's love, and we are the, the extension cord that's going to give them that, that love. Now, many years ago, I had a friend, his name was Hindri Hepburn. We played Craven Week together, and uh, the year after we drove, we wrote matric, he developed this really funny machine. They were calling it a doughful machine. It will pump out a little bit of dough, and then it will spray it full of condensed milk, and then it will drop it into oil, and then it will take it out. And he sold hundreds of these machines at flea markets and all over the place. So about six months after, after school, he had four or five of these machines on the back of his bucket, and he was heading down to Cape Town to sell them. On his way there, somewhere past Bloemfontein, he 
he drove into a bridge. Um, there were two other guys in the car with him. These two got out, but Hindu was stuck behind the steering wheel. And uh, Hindu passed away. Now, at the memorial service, it was held at Hatfield Christian Church in Pretoria. Um, there was this guy that, that was just fully bandaged, his arms, his chest, up to his chin. And uh, I asked, who's that? And he said, no, that was the traffic officer that was first on the scene. He saw that Hindu was trapped behind the steering wheel, the car caught fire, and he tried to rescue my friend out of the car, and he was willing to sustain serious injuries to the point where he just couldn't anymore. He wasn't trying to be gentle, he wasn't trying to be nice, he was trying to use all the force he had to get this guy out of the car. That's how much love he had. Do we have enough love to be honest with people? You know, how far will we go to, to tell someone, listen, I don't agree with your LGBTQ status, but, but can I tell you that God created you to be a man, God created you to be a woman, God created you to be a husband, a father, and the devil is stealing from you. You know, love the person enough to, to be honest. Somewhere along the line, the world gave that person a, a harder clap. And you know what's going to fix that? Love. But let's get back to what I'm trying to say. <laughs> we need revelation. We need to understand what an amazing miracle it is, what an amazing thing it is that God Almighty loves us. Because if we grasp that, if we get that revelation, we will have no choice but to go out and love this world. So in Luke 7, we read this, this amazing story. Jesus comes to a town, and there's a Pharisee called Simon. We also read in the other books, he's also referred to as Simon the leper. Now Simon invites Jesus, says, come and have a meal at my house. In the same town, there's also a lady who was known to be a sinner, and the Bible repeats this. This was most probably a prostitute. But the Bible talks about her very clearly as being a sinful woman. And she hears that Jesus is there, and she wastes no time. She grasps a little and a basket flask of very expensive fragrant oil, goes to Simon's house, where Jesus is reclining at the table. She goes and stands behind him, and she starts weeping. So much so that her tears wet Jesus' feet and washes his feet. Then she takes her hair and she wipes his feet. She takes this expensive oil, pours it out over his feet, and then she starts kissing his feet. Simon the leper, or Simon the Pharisee, looks at this and thinks to himself, if Jesus was a prophet, he would surely know who and what type of woman it is that's touching him right now. And this is where we start reading. And Jesus answered and said to Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owing him 500 denarii 
another one 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay him, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but with this woman hasn't ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to him which little are forgiven, the same loves little. You see, this woman came to a point where she realized how sinful she was, how much she needed a savior, how, how weak she is. The Pharisee, on the other hand, didn't get to that point. But because she realized how much Jesus meant to her, how his death will wash away her sins, how his blood will cleanse her, she had no option but to love much. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 15, verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you to do. Can we watch the, the video clip and then I'll, I'll speak to you again. There. Who of you have read a book on love? Who of you have had a discussion in your small group about love? Who of you have memorized some love scriptures for God so love the world? Okay, but what does it practically look like? What are we going to do when we walk out of here in 20 minutes time or so? What are we going to do in this world to show them God's love? It doesn't help that we talk about it, it doesn't help that we read books about it and that's where it stays. You know, we need to go and clean our room. John, 15, uh, John 13, verse 5. By this all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. In Mark 2, we, we read a story about how Jesus was sitting in a room or in a house. And this house was so packed, there wasn't space for a mouse. And then four men came carrying a fifth. The fifth person being a paralytic, somebody who's paralyzed. They were going to get this friend to Jesus. But they couldn't get close to the door. They couldn't even peep into the house. That's how packed it was. 
but they didn't give up. They decided to climb onto the roof and break open the roof. They broke open the roof, and when they had a big enough hole, they let down the paralytic friend. And the Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, son, your sins are forgiven you. Okay, so practically, you know the Bible says, carry one another's burdens? These guys took it a step further and they literally carried their friend. See, there are seasons in our lives when we need to carry one another. Whether it's carry one another through prayer, carry one another through keeping them accountable, carry one another through lending our car or whatever the situation might be. We need to carry one another's burdens. We need to care for one another in such a way that it's obvious for the world. You see, it's, it's amazing how whenever there's a little baby being born in this congregation, there are literally people forming a queue. Who's going to take food tonight? Who's going to take food tomorrow? Who's going to take food in two days' time, three days' time, four days' time? That is just a practical example of being there for one another. Now I'm a practical person and, and I always think, so if people get onto my roof and start breaking open my roof, I'm not going to sit there and, and look at them. I'm going to throw them with a stone or shout at them. Or... What do you think happened when, when these, these four guys got up to the roof and, and broke open the roof so they could get their friend to Jesus? They could have been arrested. The, the owner could have you know, went and got the, the Roman soldiers and said, arrest these guys, they're breaking open my roof. But they were determined. They were not going to stop. If they were righteous men, righteous enough to break open the roof, I, I like to think that they were righteous enough to come back the next day and fix the roof. And then Jesus said, or Jesus saw their faith. Not the paralytic's faith. The guys who were carrying him, their faith. Their faith was enough for this guy to be forgiven. Do we stand in faith with our friends for their healing? Do we stand in faith with our friends for their breakthrough? Now I have to confess, many of you might know Handren Mezen, who is in Shofar Joburg. Um, Jakumin and I, we, we know them for about 19, 20 years. They were at our wedding, we were at their wedding. Their oldest daughter, Mika, is as old as my oldest son, Daniel. Now this couple, Handre and Mezen, they moved to Polokwane to go and help with the church plant there. Handre was uh, working for one of the mines and Mezen was a medical rep. She's a nurse by trade or qualified nurse and she started repping medical supplies. And uh, one of the grandparents were there and they were looking after the kids while both were at work. And uh, they got back from work and they realized, listen here, their second born, Azil, is missing. After about two minutes of searching, they found him in the swimming pool at the bottom. Now we just started getting SMSs about um, Azil fell into the swimming pool, there's no heartbeat, pray. And then we got another SMS, his heart started beating again. And then we got another SMS, he stopped breathing. And then we got another SMS, he's breathing again. 
Now, Azil is now 10, so this happened about eight years ago. And uh, I, I remember that day very clearly, and I remember how we prayed. As the SMSs came in, we prayed. And the next day, we prayed. Then the day after it, we prayed. And for the first couple of months, we prayed. But eight years later, somewhere along the line, we, we stopped praying. We stopped carrying that family with our faith. Now, little Isabella, our youngest daughter that's 10 years old, whenever she gets an opportunity to pray, whether it's for food, whether it's in the morning before we go to school, doesn't matter if she gets the opportunity to pray, she prays for Azil, that God would touch him and God would heal him. She hasn't lost faith yet. What would happen if these four friends got to the house, saw, listen here, there's too many people, let's try again next time. The paralytic would never have walked. We cannot stop loving. We cannot stop praying. We cannot stop doing good. We are some people's breakthroughs. God commanded us to love someone so much. His example was him on the cross. And we need to love in the same way. By laying down our lives for our friends. Laying down our lives for our brothers. You see, it's not good enough to read books on love. It's not good enough to only talk about it in our small groups. What are we going to do when we walk out of here? How are we going to show our neighbors, the neighbors next to us this afternoon with a whole afternoon busy cutting grass? The neighbors in front of us, we've never seen them going to church. They were playing in a little swimming pool that they have. How are we going to practically show them the God we love? Because they are not going to places where they'll have an encounter with Jesus. We need to be that encounter. 1 John 3 verse 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And whoever has the world's goods and see his brother in need and shuts up his heart from it, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in words or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I really dislike going to Joburg or Pretoria because wherever you stop at the traffic lights, there's always people begging. And then our natural reaction is just not to open the window, to look in front of you, don't make eye contact. Let's just shut up our hearts and not, not, not acknowledge even that they are there. Is that what the Word of God is telling us? No. It tells us to don't shut up your heart. Open your heart. I used to carry a, uh, some cans of food in my car and whenever I stop at a traffic light and there's someone begging, I'll give them a, a can of baked beans or a can of whatever it was in my car. And many times they'll just throw it away because they want money. But maybe 10 will throw it away, but there will be two that keeps it. And that will be all the meal they have for the day. 
And that will just be a little way of them encountering God's love. You see, if we realized how much we were forgiven, if we realized how, how God's undeserved love was shown to us, we'll have no other option but to show God's love to the world. We cannot stop loving. We cannot stop praying. We cannot stop showing love. We cannot stop the soup kitchen. I was talking to someone a while back just about um, the soup kitchen and, and this person was telling me how there's no fruit from the soup kitchen. Yes, there might not be people coming to our church because of the soup kitchen. But many of these people who live on the street has no way of encountering God's love except through us giving them a little cup of soup and giving them some bread or giving them a hot dog and some juice or just showing them someone cares because they're not going to encounter it anywhere else. And I'm not talking about this hippie love, Hollywood love. I'm talking about love, real love, where we are open enough with one another to be honest with each other. Okay. I've spoken enough. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this evening, Father. Father, I want to thank you that we can just be, once again, Father, confronted with the cross, confronted with the love that you showed us, that you love us so much that you were willing to send your son to die on the cross for us. Father, I pray that this, Father, will be something that changes our lives, that forces us to react, that we will not be silent, that we will not grow weak, that we will not stop doing, stop showing the love that you've shown towards us. Father, you are the source of love. Help us to connect with you and take that love to this town and beyond. Father, I pray a blessing over every person that is in this hall. I pray, Father, that in this week you will show us, you will help us with creative ideas how to show people your love, your love that saved us, your love that will save them. Father, thank you that we've got the privilege, Father, of sharing the hope of literally, Father, showing them they don't need to end up in hell, they can come with us to heaven. That we've got the privilege of making that difference in people's lives. But I pray, Father, that you'll help us where we grow so busy, where we get so focused on our own issues. Father, help us to, like Jesus, lay down our lives because we understand there's a bigger picture. There's eternity. It's not just the here and the now. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you that um, if you need any prayer requests, a bunch of us will be in the front and we will love to pray with you. Whether it's about the sermon or whether it's about something else. We don't have the answers, but we know the one who do. So please don't go home. Come to the front, let us pray with you. Otherwise, grab a cup of coffee and have a fantastic week. Amen.